This week on A Lively Experiment, the U.S. Supreme Court clears the way for Rhode Island voters to have an easier time casting a mail ballot and the effect the pandemic is having on our mental health. A local clinical psychologist weighs in. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... For more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on this week's panel, former Providence Mayor Angel Tavares, attorney and former prosecutor Eva Marie Mancuso, and legal analyst Lou Polner. Hi, everyone. I'm Jim Hummel. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. Well, how are you going to vote this fall? If it's by mail, it just got a little bit easier thanks to the U.S. Supreme Court, which rejected a Republican appeal to Rhode Island's easing of signature requirements for mail ballots. You currently are used to have to get uh, two signatures or a notary that has changed. Angel, let me begin with you. You were uh, neck deep in this case. You've been representing the Secretary of State. Just give me a feel for how this evolved because you got a ruling in your favor on the federal judge, but it had to go up a little bit to get to the Supreme Court. Well, thanks, Jim. Uh, no, it's been a pleasure and an honor to represent uh, Secretary Gorbea. And also, I had a chance to work with uh, some outstanding lawyers, the Board of Elections, represented by Ray Marcaccio and Santiago Bosas, and, uh, and also Michael Field from Peter Narona's office, who was just uh, exceptional. And uh, this was a case where we basically tried to do what, what happened in June, uh, which is to uh, make it easier for people to vote by mail uh, and not have to have their, uh, their certifying envelope witnessed or uh, notarized. We saw in June that over 100,000 people selected the option to vote by mail, which was by far the most ever. And uh, given the situation, uh, what's going on now with COVID, we thought it was the right thing to do uh, when we were sued. Um, we were actually sued by Common Cause and League of Women Voters. And so we agreed on a consent judgment because we thought it was the right thing to do. Um, and then the Republicans came in at the last moment and challenged that consent judgment and said that uh, essentially that they knew what was better for the state of Rhode Island. Uh, fortunately, uh, Judge McElroy and the U.S. District Court disagreed. A three-judge panel and the First Circuit Court of Appeals disagreed. And six out of the nine uh, U.S. Supreme Court justices disagreed. And because of it, um, I think we're going to have uh, a lot more mail balloting uh, this fall here in Rhode Island. We've already had over 40,000 applicants for the September primary. And to compare that, um, if you go back to 2016, we had 4,000, about 4,000. So we're over 40,000 mail ballot applicants um, for this election. And I expect you're going to see a huge number in November as well. And so, uh, so it's really an honor to, to work with Secretary Gorbea, the Board of Elections, uh, the Attorney General, to make voting a little bit easier and safer for the people of the state of Rhode Island. And we hope people Lou, will take advantage of that. Lou, the subtext was... The, the General Assembly really didn't take action on this. Um, you know, the Senate, some of the top Senate leadership is in tough races. Some people said they didn't want to make it as easy. The, the underlying thought is always potential for fraud. And I wonder what you think. And the GOP made that argument. Clearly, it was rejected going on the way up. What do you think as we head into a primarily mail ballot election in terms of fraud? In theory, obviously, in light of the COVID uh pandemic. I, I am uh, I'm in agreement uh, with the fact that it should be easier for people to vote. 
but I do believe that the lack of a witness or notary requirement makes the election uh, fraught with fraud possibilities. And that makes me nervous. I have no problem except for the fact that I believe that bad people, I mean, I just keep thinking of Cook County in, in, in Chicago, Illinois, and how much fraud has gone on there historically. And I'm not saying it's gonna happen, and I pray it doesn't, but I wish there were some safeguards that would allow us to be certain that there is no fraud, that there, all the ballots are in fact uh, legitimate votes by legitimate citizens. Eva? 100 years ago, women took to the streets and fought um, to earn the right to vote. And um, what we're seeing now is it, at times that we have to do whatever we can do to get people out so that they feel comfortable to vote either by ballot or by, by you know, absentee ballot or in person. I think with the pandemic, particularly in Rhode Island, uh, we're an aging community, and I, I still know a lot of people that just don't leave their home or they leave on very, for very small things. So, you know, all of us are going to go, we're lawyers, we're going to go out and vote. Doesn't matter what it is, we're going to take the risk because we're in the game, so to speak. But I think anything we can do to make the general public feel comfortable about voting, and kudos, Angel, to you and your team uh, for taking this on and, and going forward with it. It's just really, really important. When you think about um, the, you know, what women did 100 years ago to, to earn the right to vote, and now um, to have it solidified like this so that we can do it from the convenience of our own home uh, for safety purposes is really a testament to who we are as a country. But Eva, Eva aren't you concerned and let me give you an example. In, in the state of Minnesota, it has just been ruled by a higher court, federal court, that in fact what they've decided in Minnesota is legal and it will occur. And that means they will be accepting mail-in votes up to a full week after the election. And they will consider them and they will honor those ballots. So my problem is, are we really going to have to wait for a week after election day? to be able to tally up what Minnesota did. I think that I mean, is- Go ahead, Angel. Yeah, well, let me, let me say a couple of things, Lou. I, I wanted to just to touch base on one thing you said about Rhode Island, then I'm happy to talk about Minnesota. I mean, there. I want the, the viewers to know, and Rhode Islanders to know, that there are a lot of safeguards. Let me explain what I mean. First of all, um, by law, you have to compare the signature on the application to the signature of the voter registration card by law. That's what the board of canvassers do. And in the uh, presidential primary, there were a lot of people who did not, did not get a mail ballot because those signatures did not match. By law, the board of elections then compares the signature on the envelope, the right. voter signature, to the uh, mail ballot application. And any can every candidate is has the right and uh, is required to be notified of the certification process that's going on for mail ballots to be present uh, when they're being certified to object if they want to object. There are a lot of things that, that go on in terms of this process, in terms of the voter signature. And the interesting thing about Rhode Island is while you have a notary requirement and a witness requirement, the Board of Elections, what they're supposed to do by law, this is the General Assembly, they say you look at, make sure the address is correct, the name is correct, that the signature matches, the signature of the person. So. You know, there are, there are opportunities there. And the other thing that we, people should know, um, not only candidates, but political parties are required by law to get a notice of everyone who's applied for a mail ballot. All of those are requirements overall. And with respect to uh, Minnesota, I would say to you that 
Um, you know, in Rhode Island, we have not, we, you have to have it in by eight o'clock on election day. Uh, that's still the law. Um, that did not change. But with respect to Minnesota, I would say that uh, depending on how many mail ballots are out, um, it's just like states that are called, even with the, when the vote hasn't even finished, um, they, they haven't finished counting the vote because they know that the margin is such um, that it can't be made up uh, by, by mail ballots. So um, I think you're gonna see, we're gonna, we're gonna see, we're gonna know a winner hopefully uh, soon, but if we have to wait a day or two, it's worth getting it right and making sure every single vote is counted. Mm -hmm. You know, what, I was gonna say, what I was going to say, um, Angel, is that um, I represent about 10 years ago, I actually represented a candidate who, and it went to it was a local uh, town council person in North Kingstown. And we actually went to and I watched the board of canvases every single ballot, you know, comparing the signatures back and forth. And it was it's a very transparent process. So um, I think that we, in Rhode Island, I think we really have it down. And again, the idea is to get as many people out this listen, there's always going to be criminals, there's always going to be fraud people, but we can't set up the the election for the next president of the United States under the guise that, you know, there may be a few bad apples. We have no, to, I, 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 have to I, I agree, but my concern here is that back in the days, and I'm dating myself, but hell, I've dated myself many times in the past, but we as youths, we used to drop something in the mailbox in Cranston, and you were pretty certain it was gonna be in Warwick or Providence the next day. And I mean at the person's home, at the residence. These days it takes three, four, five days for things to get delivered in state alone. And if that doesn't give you pause, Angel, especially about the requirement that it be uh, accepted by eight o'clock on election day, that's just not going to happen to thousands and thousands of ballots. Well, and that leads me to believe we're going to end up doing what Minnesota did. And that means we're going to extend the deadline for those to be accepted. No, we, we actually have uh, drop boxes. And I give the Board of Elections a lot of credit. And uh, John Marion from Common Cause, um, who suggested it um, as well, um, where the different boards of canvassers at the Board of Election, you have drop boxes where people can go by, no contact with anyone. You drop it in, in, in the box. It's a secure drop box. And we had thousands of people vote that way uh, previously. So I hear what you're saying. And I am worried about the post office because of the changes that are going on. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. But, but I here's, see people dropping it off. But here's the other issue, Angel. You talked about uh, that would be a clear margin. In some of these swing states, it may not be so clear. And they really are going to have to rely like we've never done before on mail ballots. The other thing is, I've been filling in on talk radio the last couple of weeks. I had five people who have worked the polls, and these are veteran people. And you know how it is. It skews elderly. A lot of them are trained. They know what's going on. It takes a little bit of training. All five of them told me, I am not going to be working the polls this year. So that's another thing that, you know, you would hope that they would expand the in-person uh, um, voting. Instead, I think there is going to be a push to mail ballots. So the, the Postal Service and the uh, addition of the mailboxes, I think the drop box is great because if you want to go in between and know I don't have to rely on the Postal Service, I'm going to my town hall and doing it. But I think this is going to be an election that is not going to be called in some places for weeks. I think that's pretty clear, wouldn't you think you made an interesting go ahead, go ahead Lou go ahead Lou no I was just going to say you make an interesting point about the people who do want to still vote in person to ensure the fact that their vote is being counted my concern is that the median age of the average poll worker is 104 so I don't even know <laughs> yeah. if they're going to have the elderly showing up to work at the polls this year 
And that's a that's a concern. Well, that's the point. Who is who are you going to get? High school, uh, college students, National Honor Society, unique community things. I don't know. It's it's going to be that's going to be the next big crisis. Is who is going to man the polls? Well, I, I I think Lou may have some fuzzy math there, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's but not no no. It's eighty four, Angel. It's not hundred and four. Okay. He's off by twenty yeah, years. I want to make sure, but but listen, um, it, it is possible that there will be some states where the uh, results won't be known for for a little while. Um, but I think the most important thing is getting it right and making sure that the people who are eligible to vote vote, and also trying to keep people safe. Um, have to if you can limit the interactions between people especially on election day, um, I think that that's a positive. And I think you hit it, Jim, right on the head, and that is that um, even if we wanted to do um, just a regular election in terms, everyone going to the polls, we don't have the same number of people available to do that. Um, And that's unfortunate. But really, we know we can do this. Uh, We've done it uh, for the presidential primary. We learned from it. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. But we learned from it. And uh, hopefully in September and November, um, I feel confident that we will have uh, a, a seamless election and a lot of people uh, record numbers will vote by mail uh, all right quick dropping it off or in the mail quick question for all of you how are you going to vote this fall either primary or election in in person mail ballot drop it in the box eva how are you going to vote in person in person what about you angel uh by mail and what about you lou in person okay so we'll how see two how about you Amal? Well, I so I will probably vote in person, but I'm also a little bit intrigued about the early voting because that's the other thing, Angel, we didn't talk about. They've been doing early voting in other states for years. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's 20 days prior you can go. And a lot of people say, oh, there's, you know, the big October, November to surprise. Buyer beware. I think in the presidential race, most people have made up their mind already. But Angel, just in the last minute we have on this topic, tell me about that, the, the carving out of the extension of early voting. Well, thanks to the General Assembly and uh, the Secretary's leadership, uh, the Board of Election as well, uh, there will be an early voting period where people can go to the town hall and and cast the ballot. Um, And I think that's very important because one of the things we want to avoid, and gosh, I I remember in, in Providence seeing it at the Juanita Sanchez complex on Thurber's Avenue, the lines were literally, literally out the door. Um, and we want to make it um, easy for people to vote. And some people, by the way, um, they're, they're working. Um, now, obviously, a lot less, uh, fewer people are working, unfortunately, because of COVID. But you want to make it as easy as, uh, for, as possible for them to vote. So you have a time period that allows them to go to cast their ballot, hopefully, very quickly, safely. Uh, limited interaction. You're not standing in line, hopefully. Um, so I think it's a good thing. And I uh, kudos to everyone who made it happen. All right. That's what I'll so- be, by the way, um, Jim, to just to be clear, that's what I'll be doing because I'll be a um, volunteer attorney on election day. So Excellent. Uh, just so that for some reason, if I get called out to some, some other place, then I'd be able to do it. But um, I've done that. And I actually had done that before um, going to the town hall for an emergency vote uh, because I, I actually had volunteered before. So it, that's, again, that's, that's something that's very seamless in terms of going in. There's never anybody there other than the person that, that you're with. So, um, you know, let's just do whatever we can do to get as many people to vote as possible. All right, folks, one thing that we haven't talked about, but it's a big problem with the pandemic, and I think it's not talked a lot about, is mental health issues coming up. We know that there has been some uh, spike in domestic violence, but mental health is just, everybody's kind of, this is such a new normal. I hate that term, but it's such a new normal. So we decided to go out. Our senior producer, Dorothy Dickey, spoke with Dr. Ernestine Jennings. She's a clinical psychologist and a professor at Brown, and she talked about some of the causes behind mental 
mental health issues during this pandemic. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. We are absolutely in a mental health crisis due to the pandemic. People are um, experiencing more a sense of anxiety and worry in terms of 25% increase than what we experienced prior to the pandemic. There's been an increase in people feeling suicidal, having thoughts, um, feeling more depressed. Um, you have people who didn't know that they had mental health issues and now it's exacerbated by being isolated and alone. People feeling like they don't have people that they can talk to or turn to. People have experienced a lot of loss during this time and I think they haven't been able to mourn in the ways that they would typically mourn coming together. You can't hug you know everybody um, to get that support so I think loss of life and like their job or um, their family connections as well. The absence of school or not people being able to provide childcare for their children or not. If you can't go to work because your child's at home, like that can have a whole set of issues. You know, I hear from parents that they see differences in their children when they're not with their friends. They may be more withdrawn. For some kids, you might see anger outbursts. So that's why it's important to have these, you know, open conversations, get a uh, understanding of how your child is doing. On top of that, the issues that we um, experience in relations to racism in this country being talked about more. And so there are people that are experiencing trauma from those issues. Maybe those are some of the people we're going to see later on in terms of care. At least in Rhode Island, our government actually has been very receptive in the area of mental health and making sure people are covered and making sure people are getting services. In terms of like telehealth services and people being more apt to go online to receive services. So I think that's a way in which actually the pandemic did open up availability. And we've, you know, started BH Link um, as a way to make sure that people can get linked services and resources. So that's something um, that I've seen is, has been very positive. You know, one of the things that struck me during the height of the pandemic, I read the obits every morning, but I've done that since I was 20. So that's nothing new. I'm not looking for friends who may have dropped off. Lou, I don't know when the last time you've been to a wake or a funeral, but there were so many prominent people and close friends. That's kind of that end of life, grieving, celebrating process. And we've been robbed of that. Have you been to a funeral or a wake since March? I lost my father-in-law approximately a month ago, and I was uh, devastated, as was uh, my ex-wife, her dad is the one who passed, and even his wife of uh, 50 years uh, was unable to go and pay proper respects. And uh, I think there is a tragedy there. And I think that's one of the reasons mental health uh, availability is so important because people are feeling detached and they're feeling uh, great grief over things that are out, out of their control. So uh, I just hope that everybody can get the uh, help that they need. We discuss mental health in our house almost every day. I have two daughters that are MSWs and one of them is um, works in a school in Massachusetts and she's just amazing. What she told me, which I thought was very, very interesting is not only does she tend to her students and uh, the cohort of kids that she's worked with all year, but also her colleagues that um, people are sharing a lot because they miss each other and that they have that camaraderie and people overlook certain things. But um, Emily and I speak almost every day because I worry about her mental health because she's doing so much with other people. But, um, you know, our other daughter who's out in the Midwest, she's, um, you know, again, the uh, the these social workers are really working um, and doing unbelievable work right now to try to keep everybody together uh, to go through something like this. We're not made, um, and I can only speak for myself, you guys know me pretty well, I'm not made to isolate. 
that's not who I am. And I'm certainly, it's very hard. I did go to awake. My godchild and cousin, um, first cousin passed away um, last week, two weeks ago, uh, from early onset dementia. Um, and we, I went up to New Hampshire to the wake. And to not be able to hug my aunt and not be able to hug my cousins um was just it's so counterintuitive it's very un-italian eva um, you were a hugger i know that angel yeah. good chi- go ahead and chime in no i think that um i haven't been to awake since march and um but we i have um extended my condolences to people that i care about who have lost loved ones i think that is really difficult i also find it difficult um my mom is a senior citizen and um before this was going to the senior center um, she's able to, uh, to live on her own, thankfully. And, um, and it's been hard because, you know, there's no more senior center to go to. Um, she doesn't want to leave the house. Um, she's at risk, uh, certainly uh, someone who would be at risk, uh, given some, some different issues. And so it's hard to, um, get her a little bit out of the house in, in a safe way and also maintain that interaction. And for months, um, I didn't even visit because until the governor lifted the order because I was worried for her. I wasn't worried for me. I was actually worried for her um, that I, I could be uh, asymptomatic and, and God forbid, uh, spread, spread that uh, to her. So um, I do think it's difficult. And I think it's one of the things that um, I'm glad people are focusing on because it's not just the physical uh, injuries that people are suffering and also people we've lost. And, um, but it's also the, the, uh, the healthcare workers, uh, our seniors, um, all of the folks who are now experiencing, as the doctor said, anxiety, uh, depression. Um, so we really do have to stay focused on this issue because it's going to be um, a long haul. I think it's not going to be easy to get back to whatever the new normal is. Um, and so th- there's a lot of work for us to do. All right, let's go to, I'm sorry, finish up, Lou. No, I was just going to say as a prosecutor, I'm seeing a, an uptick in domestic violence issues. And I'm also mm-hmm. seeing that a lot of it is caused by a new onset of alcoholism uh, across the board as far as ages are concerned. All right, let's go to outrages or kudos. Eva, what do you have this week? Well, you know I like being in the room where it happens. I have my <laughs> Democratic vest here. I brought my homemade mask because I make these. There you go. Uh, and I have all kinds of good swag. So as right. a delegate to the Democratic National Convention, I say Kamala Harris last night was unbelievable, second only by Barack Obama. I mean, is he just unreal? Um, so, you know, I just look at it and I say to myself, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, they just, they're just so positive. I mean, everything's been positive and upbeat and the way our country should be. So that's my kudos. You go, you go, girl. You, you know, wish you were in the room where it happened, though, weren't you? Well, I, you know, it's hard being, it's just not the same being on my couch by myself yeah. going like this, you know? You're one of those people that's going like this oh, in the background. I did. I did. Uh, um, the other thing, too, is that um, I, I was on uh, your radio show last week to say, Jill Biden is a paisan. She's an Italian. Giacoppa. I did a video. Jill Giacoppa. Yeah. And I did a yep. video chat um, with her, with the Italian-American delegates uh, last week. And, oh, she was talking about her home. She could have been talking about mine and everybody else. I mean, we just nodded. And I said, boy, that type of relationship with who we are, I mean, that's what that's what Americans are about. You know? I texted Eva the other night when she was talking about the noodles. So, all right, Lou, what do you got? Outrage or kudo? I've got, I've got an outrage. Actually, it's more of a large concern, and that has to do 
with Governor Raimondo's, uh, I believe, unhealthy proprietary interest in the $1.2 billion that she received from the federal government to help us deal with the COVID crisis, the pandemic. Uh, originally, uh, she did nothing for the businesses, uh, the small businesses that are all shut down and most of them may not ever reopen again. Uh, after five months, she's finally hanging a carrot of $15,000 for these business owners. Uh, but unfortunately, it's being managed and run by a group in Minnesota. And I only learned that thanks to you, Jim, uh, your questioning yesterday, the governor. And so that's a concern. Well, there's 1.2 billion, and she's making 100 million available for small businesses. And at the same time, they have to jump through about 1,000 hoops to get that 15,000. And by the way, the 15,000, as you and I know, is like a fly on the butt of, a, of an elephant. It means nothing. And now with the money, she's still uh, talking about everybody going back to school and being outside and learning and uh, or, or whatever else they can do. But she wants everyone back in school. And yet she's not willing to give any of the $1.2 billion to these people in order to fix their schools and make it reasonably safe for the children. And what she is saying to them is, you go ahead and spend the money. Show me the receipts and I'll reimburse you. Well, I don't know of one school committee budget that has the money to go out and spend $150,000, $300,000 on new air conditioners and new HVAC systems. Uh, they don't have the money to be able to put out so that they can show receipts and get it reimbursed. So I don't understand what she's doing with all this money, but she can't use it for the budget. And the problem is we're sitting here with $1.2 billion that's just sitting there rotting while, well, she's fiddling while uh, Rome is burning. Lou, I feel like we poked the bear. It's funny. Yesterday, I was at the uh, I was at the um, briefing, and she talked about you know that she's done the whole knock it off. Now she's saying take it outside. And all I could think of was fighting with my brothers and my father. It was like ten below and ten feet of snow on the ground. Take it outside, boys. All right, uh, Angel Tavares. Let me welcome you back. I know you were on Lively years ago when you were the mayor of Providence. This is the first time we've had you as Angel Tavares, private citizen. So happy to have you back. Do you have an outrage Rakuto this week? Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I want people to know just uh, not to adjust that television. I am 25 pounds le uh, heavier after <laughs> even the mayor's office. So, um, But my, my kudos actually uh, piggybacking on Eva um, is Joe Biden and Joe Biden's selection of uh, Senator Harris as his running mate. I think that it really shows... Um, the type of leader that uh, that uh, Vice President Biden is, because he could have easily pick someone else. Uh, he picked someone who he clashed with during the uh, primary uh, debates and uh, during the primary season, um, and he did so in a way that I think is going to help transform our country. Um, so I, I just give him uh, a lot of credit for taking that step. Um, it's not easy um, to do that. I think uh, a lot of times, as a, now as a former public official, I know. Um, you know, taking criticism is can be uh, can be difficult, and uh, sometimes we live in a shell. But I, I give Vice President Biden a lot of credit. I also give him credit because I do think he's appealing to the better angels of our nature, as Lincoln said. And so I think we need that now more than ever. Um, the country needs to be brought together, and um, our current president is not going to do that. Um, so we really need Joe Biden. 
Um, Lou, and I'm hopeful. I always make a decision when I when I vote for any candidate, and maybe it's because I've worked closely, especially when I chaired the Board of Education with Governor Chafee. I always say, tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you what you are. I look at the people around you, right? You know, Mayor, I've said that to you before, like kudos to you bringing in a team of professionals that want to work and want to get involved. When you look at the superstars that are around Joe Biden, people that are not, you know, that are just brilliant you know you have people like elizabeth warren and go right down the whole list bernie standards you have others there um it's really amazing all right uh, folks i'm sorry you know three attorneys on the show what a shock that it would go quickly we had to bring extra oxygen into each room i did not plan it that way but i thought we got a lot of legal advice on this uh show folks uh angel welcome back good to have you we hope to have you again and eva and lou thank you so much and folks thank you for joining us we will be back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues. Have a great week. Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.